Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, Everything School HQ, even though the man on the other side of this very podcast might not agree with Everything School HQ, but we <laughs> we say it, we we mean it each and every day. Coverage Vandy Sports, he's on the radio, you know him all over the place here in Tennessee. It's Billy. Derek, Billy, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Good, Chase. I'm doing great. Like I said earlier, before we got on, I've I've loved the the professional um, you know platform you've built here. I love the graphics. I love everything you've been doing here. So uh, glad to glad to hop on and uh, and potentially vent about Vanderbilt uh, basketball. We'll we'll see what what we'll get into. Well, you hey, vending is good. Vending is healthy. Um, vending is fun. Um, Tennessee, uh, like I thought, this would be really apt based on what uh, the the last weekend with Tennessee and Vanderbilt squaring off and um it was obviously not the most competitive basketball game you'll you'll see in the sec but i just wanted to get from your perspective because i'm on the outside i'm reading vandy sports i'm reading different pieces listen to podcasts of what actually happened to vanderbilt basketball and there was obviously all the momentum of the tournament and you wondered if they were going to build off last year and you're there was just like growing optimism, I think, somewhat uh, in terms of if Stackhouse turned the corner in Nashville. And obviously this year has not gone that way at all for Vanderbilt. But I'm not plugged in like you, Billy. So when you my first thing to you, did you expect this when you were doing preview and you were looking at the roster, you're looking at who they were getting back, you're looking at who they were losing. Did you anticipate this kind of free fall or did you think that this is still just way too much versus uh, what I, I had coming in. I, I did not expect this kind of free fall um, okay. coming into this season, um, you know, year five of, of the Stackhouse era. And, and if you go back and, and remember when he was hired, he, he replaced Bryce Drew, who had gone mm-hmm. 0 and 18 in the conference. And you can't, you know, you're not going to keep a coach that goes 0 and 18. So they had, mm-hmm. they made that decision. Malcolm Turner actually made that decision, who was Vanderbilt's mm-hmm. AD for about a year. 
Um, and mm-hmm. then Candace Lee uh, replaced him. Uh, of course, she's she's been in office, I guess you could say, since then. Um, and, you know, she they had made the decision. Well, she actually didn't make the decision. Malcolm Turner made the decision to bring in Jerry Stackhouse. And then shortly thereafter, Malcolm Turner was relieved. So there was a lot going on while Stackhouse was hired. Um, mm-hmm. And I think in the moment, there were a lot of people that doubted it, that said, I don't know about this. I don't I don't know that that this could work. He's never had SEC coaching experience, never had even college coaching experience. He was, you know, won a G League title, uh, had assistant coaching experience in the NBA, obviously was a great player, but but it had its detractors. Me, on the other hand, I had some hope because I thought he would be be able to really recruit, uh, you know, kind of the Deion Sanders effect. I thought he was hmm. going to be able to potentially, uh, you know, attract young players. And, you know, he did but just not enough. Like he, you know, he was able to, de- to develop a guy like a Tyron Lawrence, uh, Jordan Wright, um, even, you know, he got, he improved players, but he just didn't do enough of it. And, and there wasn't enough player retention. So that's kind of where it started off. And I think, I don't think it got started off on the right foot. I mean, replacing a coach that went 0 and 18 is, is not easy for anybody. And Stack had no. to do that. So I almost count this as his fourth year. I mean, COVID was, you know, coming out of COVID and then that 0-18 season obviously was brutal. Um, but he got better. Like, the trajectory was there. A lot of people thought they should have made the tournament last year. Uh, the way they mm-hmm. were playing, I, I thought, you know, they were one of the hottest teams in the country, but they had some early season bad losses. They lost to Grambling. Um, and, and I think that is what has gotten him and his staff in trouble, um, is that they haven't really valued the importance of those non-conference games. And hmm. just about every year, Chase, in the Stackhouse era, that has hurt them. So um, kind of a long story short, before this season, no, I didn't think it would be this bad. But there was part of me that thought, you know, going into a season, you've probably done this with football or basketball or whatever, where you got high expectations, but in the back of your mind, there is that scenario where maybe it goes downhill. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for example, potentially the Butch Jones era, you know, maybe that last year he was there. You still had some hope and excitement, but there's always that, you know, worst case scenario, DEFCON 5 of, OK, this could go really wrong if, mm. if, if you have injuries. And they did have an injury. Um, they had to suspend a player uh, from the team. And so they had a lot go wrong early that they really couldn't have. The, the margin for error was already really small. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I did not expect it to be this bad. And now that it has gotten this bad, uh, it feels like the conversation has shifted from if there's going to be a move to when, when mm-hmm. is this going to happen? And the, the rumblings have, have heated up as I'm sure you can, you can tell. I, uh, with my buddy, Will Warren of stats by will, uh, dot substack.com. One of the best college love, basketball writers going. I love that and, Twitter. Yeah. Uh, he's great. And Will is someone who I've always joked about is like, there's not like, there's some people who are just like meant to get bad news where it's like anything coming from Will, uh, that's, uh, very witty. It's snarky. <laughs> it's just really funny to me. Cause I'm just like, if anyone else, the messaging came out, it was just like, man, it's brutal. Will can say brutal things about college basketball hoops in the funniest way, the nicest way possible. But mm-hmm. we were like, uh, joked about cause like Vandy Twitter is not obviously hiding the fact, uh, that they are thinking about no. and hearing rumblings about, who might follow Stackhouse. But again, a move hasn't been made. I think Richard G. West got some folks this week, if I recall, <laughs> on did. Jerry Stackhouse's job. So <laughs> I'm amazed that that's still happening uh, in February of 2024. <laughs> but that account lives on somehow, uh, day in, day out. But I think it's it's interesting because, like you said, you're four. Now it's a win conversation. 
is there anything Stackhouse can do down the stretch here to change minds? Is there part of like, I think it was, was it Dennis Felton at Georgia years ago? I don't know if you remember Dennis Felton at Georgia where he has that SEC run in Mm -hmm. Atlanta and then they end up giving him another year and it doesn't Mm -hmm. get better and they're just behind. Like they just talked themselves into Felton because of that late season tourney run and they were like, oh, maybe he has turned the corner. All right, let's just, we were going to move on, but let's not do it. Or do you think no matter what here, it's just probably both sides are parting ways? I I really do believe. And again, I, I can't really I don't have enough to substantiate it yet. There's so much being said that mm. I'm sure you know this with coaching changes that you can't run with anything too early. Um, mm. and, and, you know, fans do and fans will uh, as fans you know do that. But yeah, me personally, I don't think there's anything him and his staff can do. Uh, to, to kind of save save their shoes. Like I, they've got, they're going to have a a bottom four seed in the tournament, so they'll be playing on that Wednesday night. And I just don't think they have the talent. Like it'd be different if they had the talent. If I thought they had the talent to do that, mm-hmm. um, you know. But it, they just don't. They've got Ezra Mignon, who I think is a really good player. Tyron Lawrence yeah. is, um, you know, it, he would. I don't know that he'd start in a lot of SEC schools, but I mean, he would play. Uh, they got a decent post player in Van Allen Lubin. I mean, you saw when Tennessee played Memorial that first half, Stackhouse had his team ready and, um, and and they competed, but Dalton Connect just went off. And that's what when you have a star player against Vanderbilt like that, there's no there's no stopping. You know, yeah. it, like they just there's teams they just don't match up with Kentucky, Tennessee, Alabama, Auburn, and a lot of teams don't match up with them. But I just don't see the talent. And if I did, it'd be different. I said, yeah, I would say, okay, maybe. Maybe they can. Maybe if they if they get hot here down the stretch, that points to something late this season, and they can turn it into momentum for next season. But that's really never been the case. Like last year, as you said earlier, Chase at the top, you know, I think the kind of the perception overall was that okay, you had a good year. You almost you thought you should have made the tournament. You know, now year five, this is the year. This is the year you break through. Goalposts can't change. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that has happened here, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, people defending Stackhouse and saying, you know, all these excuses about COVID and uh, players getting hurt, players leaving for the draft and that those just don't those don't apply anymore. Mm-hmm. And they, they can't really apply. So, yeah, I don't. it's a good question. I mean, I, I, I think if you asked me that two weeks ago, I would have said maybe, you know, mm-hmm. just because of he, they usually play hard for him. But now, especially in Knoxville, I mean, that that's a game where you kind of think to yourself, OK, did something happen before this game? Uh, was yeah. there a conversation between Stackhouse and the administration before? And is he kind of has he given up? Has he packed it in? Because we've seen that Musselman right now at Arkansas doesn't feel like he'll he'll stay there. Um, Tennessee you know, got so both I think, this week at the same time, back to back. It was pretty nice. A combined win by yeah. like 97 between the two. And, and now Missouri. So who set up yeah. this scheduling? But <laughs> I don't know about Missouri but, tonight. I mean, still, it's like 11 and a half opening I, until yeah, Missouri. Kinda... But he they banged Tennessee around both times last year. So until I see it, I like, look, Tennessee should win. Yeah. But look, yeah, I, I, I'm not that, penciling that in just yet. In basketball right now, Chase, as you know, is just so volatile. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you can like Missouri. Missouri's a good example. Last year, uh First year coach with Dennis Gates, he brought in a lot of transfers from Cleveland State, and they were good. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a great style of play. And now I think is he at risk of losing his job? I don't know that they make a move, but it's 
it would be a, a it'd be hard to argue you know him retaining his job he's owing a well, lot their ad's now out that, uh going to arizona exactly so exactly so new ad that doesn't help him i don't think she's mm-hmm. kind of running away from from the hire she made um Pay but cut. that's an example exactly that's a perfect example of what we're looking at here with vanderbilt as bad as they are this year all it takes is two maybe three players to quickly change that it takes yeah. a good coach as well you've heard a lot of rumblings about chris mack uh i think vandy fans like bucky mcmillan from Sanford. Uh, Alan Huss at High Point is a guy that they really like. Um, but no, to kind of circle back, I don't think there's really anything. Like, even if they do beat Georgia tomorrow, um, and if they find a way to win one down the stretch, I just I think it's kind of like Ole Miss last year with Kermit Davis. Mm. Um, they were kind of in the mindset of, okay, we're, we're moving on really no matter what. Yeah, I can see that. Um but this is like another thing that I'm really curious about because you're really plugged in. And this is something from fans on the outsider, just SEC fans that they don't understand where you're seeing some stuff from inside the program covering the program. My question is because everyone wants to jump to the next guy, right? Like there's just there's some mm-hmm. Bud Elliott talks about this where sometimes you just have to fire like even a guy who's maximized his potential and it's really not his fault. Like he you just have to do a change to like get the fan base acclimated, like believing again, like even if he's done the best job possible and shouldn't lose his job, you have to change faces just to keep excitement of like, oh, the next guy can get us over the hump. And it's just hard to be mediocre for 10 to 12 years, even if that's a really good job to keep things mediocre, given the circumstances that that coach um, is uh, is just placed in. My wonder here, like, yeah, Chris Mack, whoever they get to replace Stackhouse is interesting. But is there more to why Vanderbilt is struggling? Is there an NIL issue? Is there a portal, the way that they're attacking the portal issue? Is there a recruiting foundational issue, um, disconnect between the administration and the basketball staff? Like, we know baseball juggernaut, like we know that that, that's not going anywhere. But basketball, I'm more curious about, is that, is that, is everybody on the same? Does that make sense? Like, uh, from your vantage point, where is that at? Yeah, it's a good question, and I think there's some validity to it. Um, and Stackhouse actually brought up um, some of his concerns with, uh, you know, the lack of attract attractiveness, you know, to transfers. Mm. Um, you know, he, he just said basically after the Ole Miss loss, which I don't think this was 100% true, but I think there was some truth to it. I don't know if you saw it. He said, we don't get junior and senior transfers. Hmm, he said, you know, we we don't we don't get junior and senior transfers at Vanderbilt. It was kind of funny because there is some truth to that. Vanderbilt's uh, obviously we know about their academic standards. They're similar to Michigan uh, and mm-hmm. obviously a lot of, you know, Duke and uh, obviously all the Ivy League schools. It's just hard. You know, it's hard to transfer those credits. Um, mm-hmm. But that has always been the case. That's something that, you know, Kevin Stallings had to deal with. You know, Bryce Drew, who you know was able to take his first team to the tournament. Every coach, Clark Lee, they have to deal with that. You know, I, I think that. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70 percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yes, there's validity to it, but that's always been the case. So I don't know that that is a, you know, I don't know that that's a hindrance right now. Um, You're going to have to work through it. The women's basketball coach, Shay Ralph, uh, has gotten junior and senior transfers. Um, In Stackhouse, Ezra Mignon was a, uh, you know, was was actually a senior transfer. So he kind of, it was just funny hearing him say that, um, you know, he's, he's, he's made so many of those type of excuses. Um, You know, he's made excuses about COVID and uh, things like that. but. Your point still stands, and I think the bigger question is NIL. Uh, in today's day and age, you look at a school like Tennessee. Tennessee is one of the model programs in NIL. Their fan base is massive, um, and I think Tennessee is a good example of quantity uh, mm. because you know, and you you look at quantity and quality in the NIL world. Um, maybe a good example of quality is a school like an SMU, who yeah. has uh, really done well because they've got uh, you know they're a private school in a big city. And they've been really smart with it. You know, I think they've mm-hmm. got a really good AD and they may not have the quantity of donors that a Tennessee or an LSU or Ole Miss has, but they've got they've got maybe 10 or 15 that have a lot that are billionaires. Mm-hmm. And I think Vander, I think you can say the same thing about Vanderbilt. Uh, but hmm. right now with Stackhouse, they haven't had a reason to really give. Um, they, they paid Tyron Lawrence six figures to come back. Um, and, you know, I think some of the other players are making decent money, but. They, I think they've got to find a way to you at Vanderbilt. You're gonna, it's gonna be hard to pay that one guy like a Tyron Lawrence a ton of money. I think mm. they need to find a way to spread that out because they've got the money. It's just about that coach going to the donor base and saying, Look, here's my plan, here's why this can work. Um, and I'd love for you to support this program. That's what Clark Lee and Barton Simmons went out and did in the offseason because they didn't really do a ton of that. You know, they, mm. they wanted to be a, a full on developmental program. Uh, recruit well, uh, develop, you know, their kids. And by year five, year six, they've got, you know, all their players intact. But they realized after last year, you know, Tennessee game was a good example of it. They just don't have the dudes. Um, And you have to go out in the portal. It's like not using free agency in the NFL. Mm. I'm sure you've talked about. So it's kind of a long answer to say Vanderbilt just has to have the right coach for that to work because I think it can. And in basketball, um, you know, we've seen the Tennessee Vanderbilt rivalry in basketball, you know, thriving. You know, we've seen great atmospheres at both arenas. Mm-hmm. Feels like it's dead right now. Um, and they've got a new facility coming in. So I think they're yes, it's a hindrance, but it's a it's a hindrance you can get around. Um, you know, as long as you have the right guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, you I've heard that a lot, and and mm-hmm. I think I think a lot of what you asked is true, but it's not impossible to navigate. Um, which, you know, you just got to have the right coach, I think. Yeah. And look, we'll see who it is. And Tennessee fans who make it fun. I'm like, hey, watch out. Like they're every school is one coach away from changing the narrative and flipping the script and everything. It's like Chris Mack's a good coach. I mean, Louisville, I'm sure is like, I don't know. Like maybe Chris Mack wasn't so bad after all. And it's like Chris Mack could win. Like he's like one of those where it doesn't jump in the excitement meter, I think, for the average fan. But for those who are very plugged into college basketball are just like, 
oh, the floor has been raised. Like he's winning games. Mm -hmm. Like he is going to, the floor has been raised to that point where there's no flame out potential. Now questions about what's the ceiling there. Maybe that's fair, but he's a floor raiser. And maybe that's what Vanderbilt needs for the foreseeable future is a floor raiser to get you in that steady ground for the next couple of years or three to five, however long it is. I agree with that. I agree. That's a, it's a great point. Um, I think that is what Vanderbilt needs. They need a stabilizer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think Chris Mack say they do hire Chris Mack. I don't think he's going to be asked to make the tournament year one. Yeah. But I think he is going to be asked to at least, you know, be competitive consistently, you know, against SEC competition. And, you know, kind of a piece here for you. His his daughter is the first volleyball commit at Vanderbilt. So he's she's huh. going to Vanderbilt. Yeah. And I've heard he has interest in the job. I've, I've heard yeah. he would love uh, to coach at Vanderbilt. Um I've even heard he's been formulating a staff for, for whatever that means. I've heard rumors um, ab- about him and Vanderbilt administration. Again, we don't know what's true and what's not um, right now. There, there's so much. I, I wouldn't feel comfortable saying anything because it's not, you know, that could be totally wrong. It could be totally mm-hmm. right, but you just don't know. There's not enough to substantiate it. But I do think Chris Mack is number one on a lot of Vanderbilt fans' boards. I think he should be. I think he should be the first call uh, for Vanderbilt. Uh, but like I said, you've got Bucky McMillan, Alan Huss, Josh Schertz at Indiana State is another good option. So um, it's look like, looking like we're going to be in coaching search season again uh, for uh, for Vanderbilt basketball. And I think, too, and we can, we can leave it here, Billy, is this is going to be an interesting hire uh, for the AD where Corbin, obviously, just however long he wants to do it, like baseball is just fine. You don't really have to get on the road. Clark yeah. Lee has now been in there for a little bit. Um, still TBD, I think, at that point. I will say, like, before they made the Clark Lee hire, I mean, I understood the the Wake Forest comparison when that was coming out, like the Dave Clawson comparison mm-hmm. and being able to build that in the SEC and that kind of thing. And I'm like, I get the idea with that, but it's easier to do that with a fun offense versus a gritty defense just because of where football mm-hmm. is as a sport. And we saw with Hypo even losing 30 guys in the portal in year one, like you just flip the script when you have a good offensive scheme, even if you don't have the talent advantage. For me, I was like, I get that idea, but like I'd rather have Dave Clawson because I, I just know with his concepts and the mesh stuff and everything else that mm-hmm. you're going to be fun. And it's, it's just, I see a quicker path to success on that front. I, yeah. I, yeah, go ahead. No, no, you finish up. Well, I was like, it, part of it is just, I think there's something to when you have questions about NIL, you have questions about the portal and getting your talent rated by the portal every year. You have questions about just your recruiting base because some schools like, like we give Iowa grief about their offense, this, that, and the other. We give grief about some of these schools in the Big Ten, their offense. I'm like, have you, there was a really good piece in the athletic about Minnesota, like, and where Minnesota can be with PJ Fleck mm-hmm. a couple months ago that I loved. It was a really good long form piece. And it's like, what do you want from them? You look at the state of Minnesota and how many four stars they've, they put out. Like, there's only so much you can do and only so much you can build when the state doesn't have the talent necessary. And when you look at Vandy, you're like, okay, you're competing against the big dog, obviously, with Tennessee and NIL and just the base, like the brand, everything else. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just, that's tough. You have people coming in. You have Georgia coming into your recruiting state. You have Alabama. You have Auburn now who's back. Um, you have LSU. You have Arkansas like in the Texas and obviously that that sort of thing. You have to be creative. And I wonder if that also is true when it comes to basketball with this hiring cycle is like you have to kind of think outside the box. And can Chris Mack, because he is a veteran coach, think outside the box in terms of how to make Vanderbilt work? Because I think you have to be 
creative in jobs like this to do it. And the hard nose stuff, I'm not certain is enough in today's college sports climate. So yeah, it's great. Chris, you won a lot of games, but the plan you have to adjust to where you're coming to. And this is, I mean, the toughest job I think you have had as a head coach coming into Vanderbilt. So you have to be a little bit more creative. And that, that would be the biggest thing to me is in these meetings. And if they do make a change is the emphasis on creativity with this job and with the football job too. Yeah. You can't just bang your head against the wall and act like you're Alabama if you're Vanderbilt. Yeah. Right. Um, I do think Tennessee can do that. They've got the money. They've got the tradition. They've got, um, you know, that standing, um, mm-hmm. you know, and they can do that. But Vanderbilt cannot, you know, Duke cannot yeah. stand for Northwestern Wake, um, even like a Minnesota, you know, a lot of those, you know, lower level big 12, big 10 schools, it just can't so that you have yeah. to be creative and Clark Lee kind of made that shift. He, mm. he got creative and hired essentially New Mexico state's offensive staff. Uh, they brought yeah. in you know, Tim Beck, who was their offensive coordinator, uh, an older guy who you know, just knows ball. And, and I think that was a smart hire for Clark. And then Jerry kill who, yeah. uh, you know, obviously was at Minnesota and, and he's going to be kind of the chief consultant for Clark. And I think he needed that. Mm. Um, and, and then Diego Pavia who, you know, yeah, Won 10 games, Conference USA Player of the Year, um, you know, stud. Not, I don't know that he's a Power 5 quarterback, but if anything, he can come in and kind of mentor Nate Johnson, a guy who's got 10 300-meter yeah. speed. And, and Variable has kind of reverted back to a couple of years ago with Mike Wright and that style. Mm-hmm. So, like you said, Chase, they're getting creative in football, I think, and, and I, I, I think it'll be better. Again, they got one of the tougher schedules in the country, but it translates to basketball, too. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't. You're not going to get the 6'10", you know, bully ball player that mm-hmm. that Alabama and Tennessee and Kentucky want. You know, yeah. you got to get the AJ Ogilvy, uh, if you remember him from you know from yeah. Australia. You know, mm-hmm. Kevin Stallings did that perfectly. He recruited internationally heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tim Corbin at, with baseball. You know, he gets guys from California, Maine, uh, Puerto Rico. You, you have to. You Stanford have to just do that. got and, the big uh, kid from Japan. Yeah. where they're going out like that. You, yeah. That's what you got to do. You have to do it. And, um, you know, I think Vanderbilt needs a coach that realizes that in basketball. I think Shea Ralph on the women's side has done that. Yeah. She just picked up a five-star. Um, you know, Corbin and Clark Lee, I think, are. There's one guy that's not, and it's it's yeah. Jerry Stackhouse. I just think, you know, Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt can be better, and they know mm-hmm. they can be better, and I think they want that, and we'll see. And I'm with you. they got to get creative, and I do think Chris Mack would be a guy that kind of embraces, you know, you're in Nashville – um, you're in the SEC, but you know you've got a ho- you can have a home court advantage. Um, and yeah, you need a guy that embraces that and says we're not going to hit our he- our our bang our heads against the wall. We're going to get creative here and find some shooters. Find a you know a six ten guy from Australia that is really crafty. You know you, that's what you have to do at Vanderbilt. I think you need a coach that knows how to do that. I agree. Well, Billy, what can the good folks check out from you all across the radio waves and uh, VanitySports.com this week? Yeah, so uh, I guess we'll start with the George Plaster Show. George has been in Nashville radio for over 30 years. We're actually going digitally now. We're on YouTube, Twitter, mm-hmm. and Facebook uh, Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. So check us out there. Also available on the podcast feed. And then Vandy Sports. Busy week for us. Uh, the message boards are flying. Uh, and, you know, we've got baseball starting now, too, which fans are always locked into. So, vandysports.com is the website. And then uh, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, BillyDerrick10. There you go. Billy, keep up the great work. Thank you for making the time. I want to check back in again soon. Let's do it. Thanks, Chase.
Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 